Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. This episode of the Radiant Podcast is brought to you by Avocado Green Mattresses. Comfort, luxury, all natural, affordability. Need I say more? I don't know about you, but I am loving my mattress, and that's because it's from Avocado. I definitely encourage you guys to check them out. I've linked them up in the show notes. Hey guys, I'm so excited you're back here with me for another week at the Radiant Podcast. I know that you're going to find today's conversation to be so relatable. I get to interview Sarah Bragg of the Surviving Sarah Podcast, and let me tell you, we became fast friends. I think she's amazing, and I love her brutal honesty about how she chats about being 30, feeling like she peaked early in life and it's all downhill from here, and how she found her voice through the Surviving Sarah podcast. I know that we can rationally say you don't peak early in life and it's all downhill from there. But how often do we talk to ourselves like that? Like, oh, that must have been it. There's nothing better from here. It's all downhill from here. I know that I sometimes find myself talking in this way inside my head, and I bet you do too. So that's what I mean when I say we will all find this conversation relatable. And I know you guys are just going to fall in love with Sarah and enjoy her podcast just as much. So without further ado, let me introduce you. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Kelsey. Thanks for joining me today. I am so excited to have you here. Well, you are so sweet to ask me. I'm happy to be here. A little bit of our backstory is I was just searching through because I'm such a podcast junkie and (laughs) found your podcast and have quickly been going down the list. And so, Uh, yeah, I just have really enjoyed your Surviving Sarah podcast on my drives. It's how I unwind every day. And so I'm I'm glad we're getting to kind of cross-pollinate and chat. Exactly. I'll talk back with you. I have friends who will listen and they're like, I I try to talk to you. And then I realize, oh, you're not like talking to me on the phone. This is something I'm listening to. (laughs) That is awesome. I love that. That is so funny. Well, I would love for you to kind of just share um, your story, how you got started, not only in podcasting, but just how you have gotten to where you are right now. Yeah. You know, it's it's so funny when you look back at your little sweet self of, you know... (laughs) a teenager in college and, you know, you kind of think you know everything and then how quickly you realize you don't know anything. <laughs> you, don't, you, know, you don't know where you're going and what you're going to do. Um, and so I feel like I kind of found myself in that when, you know, you go to college and you think you know what you're going to do and then you graduate and and you kind of realize you don't know what you're going to do. Um, but that was kind of, for me, like I had gone to college and um, in the summers I had always like, interned at a youth camp at the beach for um, this Christian youth camp and loved it, just enjoyed that um, immensely. And I'd led, been small group leader for like high school girls and middle school girls. And um, I was like the chaplain of my sorority and all these things that I just, so I loved ministry, but honestly, growing up, I didn't know that ministry was something I could do. I didn't know that was something someone would pay me to do. 
And so when I was graduating and going to school, I thought, you know, I love sports and I love baseball. And so I'm going to do like marketing for baseball. So I graduate and that's, I I worked for the Chattanooga Lookouts. It was a little minor league baseball team and, and it was a total fun job outside of college, you know? I mean, I I think I made peanuts. I mean, I look at the price, (laughs) the salary I made and I think, how did I live for that first year out of college? I'm not really sure. Um, And, but then I quickly realized that baseball was not like my future. I I think I honestly (laughs) was thinking I was going to probably marry a baseball player and that's why I was, chose baseball. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I was like, why did I pick a sport that has 8 million games a season? I don't know why I did that. Um, And so, but in that time period, it was kind of like, I always have such a heart for these these young women who graduate college in that first year out of college because it's really easy to feel lost again. Because again, you think you know what you're going to do and then you graduate and you're going, oh, I didn't really like the jobs that went with this major. I didn't really know what was gonna, <laughs> this was going to be like. And so I feel like I found myself in that place. Um, and so I just kind of looked back and I thought, what have I loved doing? Like if I could do anything what would I love to do? And ministry just kept kind of coming up. I loved those camps. I loved being a small group leader. I loved teaching um, women the Bible. I loved just investing in um, other women. And so it was from there that I I, kind of, I started that process of going, okay, well then what would that look like? And, you know, just kind of connected with some people in my past that, um, we're in those fields really. And so it was there that I met um, the student pastor for Saddleback Church. It's Rick Warren's church, if you've ever yeah. heard of um, Purpose Driven Life. Um, and they had an intern program and, and the youth pastor, his name was Doug Fields. And he said, hey, I want you to come work for me. Move to California and work for me. And I was like, all right. I can do that. (laughs) I feel like I was born to live in California. I just was like, whatever. I was born in Tennessee, furthest, so far away from California. But I just, and so that's what I did. And so that was my first ministry job. And I just fell in love, like with ministry. I just loved that someone was going to pay me to get to do all those things that I just would have done for free forever, just to invest in other other women and and students. And, And so, so when I was in California, I just got to, exercise that muscle of ministry and learn that. And my heart just grew wildly for that. And so over the next, over my twenties, um, it was there. I remember my, a pastor looked at me and he said, so, you know, five years from now, where do you want to be? And I don't know about you, but I hate that question. Like, oh, no. I still hate that question because I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. That's like ages away. Um, and it's like, as I answered, I was like, well, you know, I'd love to like write and speak. And he was like, well, um, maybe you should write something. <laughs> I was like, that's a novel idea. If you want to be a writer, you should write. Um, so that's what I did. I just started like thinking, what what would I want to share with someone? What what would I want to pass on? And I just, and, it, and so then I stepped back into that same heartbeat of mine for young women and to encourage them and to um, inspire them and to help them understand the things that I wish I had known when I was in high school. And, um, and so I just wrote this, you know, little book that never got published, but a publisher ended up seeing that book and they pulled a chapter out of it that was on body image. That really just was my story of finding contentment with who God made me to be. And um, they asked me to write a book 
based on that. And so here I am like, you know, 25, 26, 27, and I'm speaking and I'm traveling and I'm getting to do all these conferences and I'm a published author and that just feels so like fancy. Um, and, it's, <laughs> and it's really not. <laughs> but you know, to my little sweet 20, you know, six-year-old self, that seemed so fancy, um, you know, big time. And then you see like a royal yeah. check and you're like, oh, that's like $7. I don't think that's much. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyways, I just felt like the Lord was doing so so much in me of like, um, of my heartbeat of ministry of going, this is so fun. Here I am just like in my twenties and I'm traveling and I'm speaking and I'm writing books and I'm, you know, doing all this stuff. And then, um, in that time period, after I got published, I had, I had um, gotten married and, you know, a couple years later we had a kid and it was, and it was one of those where I turned 30 um, and, and in the time being, I guess I kind of left out, I'd, I'd gone to another church and then I'd ended up at um, kind of a nonprofit organization that creates content for churches. It's helping people who are doing the work of ministry. And so um, so it was there that in those, that season between getting married, having a kid that, that I turned 30. So I turned 30 and I had this kid and it was like my world screeched to a halt. <laughs> and um, I don't know if you, I'm probably just like talking your ear off and you're like- I I'm, love I'm, it. No, <laughs> I love it. Keep keep talking. <laughs> so um, it was there that I just, I, it, I don't know if you've ever been this way. I'm sure people who are listening have been here where you just feel like your life kind of ends, <laughs> you know, not like physically, but you know, all the things that you had been like working towards or you feel like I'm getting somewhere and this is great. And then a big life change, like having a kid happens and it just changes everything. And, um, and no one quite prepares you for that. But I think coupling having a kid and that changing everything to um, being at a, in a place where, you know, I once was this thriving, sought after speaker, writer, communicator, and then you're no longer given those opportunities just kind of was like, I don't know, it was very heartbreaking. It was, you know, um, it just kind of stopped me in my tracks, so to speak. Yeah, like a sense of loss. It really was. You know, you hear people talk about all the time um, that even a dream, like a loss of a dream is a big thing to grieve and it's a big loss. Um, sometimes can be feel as heavy as the loss of a, of someone you love. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And so, um, so here I am just 30 and feeling like, well, I guess that was it. Like, like, I guess God is done with me. I guess I peaked at 30 and, um, there is nothing else because, you know, speaking engagement stopped and I think I would do like one a year and, you know, my publisher would ask me like, Hey, we want you to write another book. And I was like, I have no words. Like, I have nothing to say. <laughs> and, and part of it was just, you know, being a mom of like a young baby. Like I couldn't even put words together to form sentences. Like I, I was like, I don't even know what to say. Even if I had something to say, I don't know how to say it. Um, and then just being at a place in a professional sense where um, you have people saying, you're not, you're not good enough for us. And they didn't say it in those explicit words, but it was essentially like, I know we hired you to because of this, but we don't necessarily want you to do those things for us. Right. And so, you know, and that's, and that's fine for them. But, you know, my 29, 30 year old self was crushed because that was my identity for all those years was 
you know, the achievements and the accomplishments and pushing hard to, to really make something of myself um, in that. And so that was a hard, that those early thirties, um, I really feel like between like 30 and 34 were really hard years of grieving the loss of what I thought I would be. And, but then also standing there and going, but I don't have a clue what would be next. <laughs> like if this isn't it, I don't know what's next. Um, so those were some hard years of just feeling like, I don't know, like you lost a sense of your voice. Um, you didn't, I felt like I didn't know how to speak anymore. I didn't know what I would say anymore. I didn't know if um, what I had once contributed or in the way that I had contributed in the past, if it would be, um, you know, acceptable or um, seen as valuable anymore. Right. And um, so those were hard years. And I, but I feel like in that time, I, I'm, th- I'm turning 39. So um, a few, so in that time, it took a lot of just kind of coming down to understanding that I am enough and God has given me all that I need and he is enough. And that's all that matters. That no matter what anyone else says, even if you don't fit perfectly for this company or this organization or this event or this whatever, it doesn't negate the value that you already have. And um, and so those were some, you know, hard years, but those were some good years for me to really get to a place of who I am today. If I hadn't walked through that and I hadn't um, walked through feeling like what it's like to feel like you peak at 30 and you have nothing left or um, that you aren't, what you have is not worth something to someone else. If you, if I'd never walked through those things, I don't feel like I would be quite who I am today. Well, um, and it's part of your message, right? And, yeah. and you get to offer hope now to women who also feel in that same place. Have exactly. you gotten feedback from women who have listened to your story and just been like, this is where I'm at. Yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. I mean, it is that I think so many women, um, and it's been interesting even looking at the different stages of life. I feel like sometimes it's, um, women are asking those questions because they have like, for me, where you've, you know, you've had a kid and you're like, oh my goodness, like life is forever changed and there will be no more past these diapers. Um, You know, or some are, you know, in there like, like turning 50 and they're asking that question of like, surely like there's something else. Like this is not, this can't be it forever. And, um, or they've walked through the, just the, the pain of like not being enough for someone else. And, um, and so you just kind of left asking those questions. And, um, and so I do, I feel like I, you know, I can, I can encourage and talk to women from a more authentic place and a more vulnerable place because I know what it feels like. And so I'm so thankful for that. Um, and, and so, you, you know, those are those four years. And, and I remember um, as I was kind of leaving like 34 and um, just kind of asking questions like, okay, God, surely you are not done with me. Like surely I did not peak at 30. <laughs> and, um, and I'm, a, I'm, a, a, you know, I laugh at myself cause I can remember thinking I peaked at like 22 and like, <laughs> I hadn't like done it by now. It's never going to happen. You know, it's just so funny. Um, it's just my wiring, I guess, but oh yeah, uh, I get it. Yes. And so I just started praying. I was like, okay, God, you know, I know you, you are not done with me, but I have no idea what is next. This is, you know, I have this great resume of background and for all these, you know, well-known 
churches or people or whatever that I've worked for. I'm so networked. I have all these things, but like, but nothing, (laughs) but you're not doing anything with that. What do you want? And I felt like for two solid years, you know how, I don't know if you're one of these kind of people, but you kind of sit down at the first of the year and you're thinking, you know, okay, what is this year that I'm going to like work on? Or what is this year going to be about? Or what's my word for the year? Um, I always laugh because I'm like, I should be more kind. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyways, I felt like for two years, it would be at that beginning of the year. And I felt like God just kept saying, I want you to push others forward. And I was like, well, I mean, what does that mean? Like, am I like seeing someone in the grocery store and I'm like, go ahead. Or like, you're awesome. I like your shirt. Like, what do you want from me, God? <laughs> I was like, still wanting to some, him to go, well, I'm going to allow all these people to push you forward. But no, he kept saying, I want you to push others forward. And so for two years, I just felt like he kept like, you know, saying the same thing. And, and then I started telling him, I was like, God, I just miss using my voice. I love to talk. I love to encourage. I can write. I'm a writer, but I'm more of a speaker, communicator, I guess I should say, than a writer. Like I have great grammatical um, editors in my life because I will just write as I speak. So, uh-huh. um, and so like, I just miss talking. I miss using my voice. I miss helping people that way. And and so in that time of just like hearing him saying, I want you to push others forward and me telling him, but I want to say something, like I want to use my voice to do this. Um, it was there that I just really felt like, um, God, I was, at, I was at a writer's conference, ironically, and um, and I was, happened to go into like a podcast breakout, which I didn't want to go to. I just, it was the only one that was of any interest in that time slot. So I was like, well, I'll just go to, I like podcasts, you know, like, so uh-huh. I'll go, go hear this one. And I just like God, that still small voice spoke to me and said, I want you to start a podcast. I want you to use your voice to push others forward. And it just clicked. It just made sense. Like, I, this is yeah. why I'm networked. This is why I know all these people. This is why... Um, I have such a heart for encouraging women and inspiring women and making women laugh and um, and why I love to use my voice. So this is all like coming together, but it was those, all those years, like it didn't just happen overnight. It was such a like process of, you know, I think if I had even started my podcast when I was 30 and had not walked through, really walking through the like suffering from the loss of my voice, it, my, my podcast would look a lot different than it does now. Um, and so, so a year and a half ago, I guess this week um, was episode 78. So a year and a half ago, I launched Surviving Sarah. And, um, and just this idea that I just wanted to be a voice for women to say, you are not alone. Like no matter whether you're single or you're married or you have kids, you don't have kids, whatever you've walked through, whatever thing you feel like you have survived or you are surviving, you are not alone. There is someone else who is right there with you saying me too. And so it has been the most fun um, thing that I've, I've done in a very long time is just to get to come alongside women and get to be a voice in their ear just to encourage them. I absolutely agree. The podcast is one of my favorite things I do each and every week to just be able to listen to women's stories and kind of share their story in hopes that it um, empowers our audience and they can um, listen in and say, me too, or I don't feel alone in that or whatever. And I, I love your message of, you know, 
feeling like you kind of laid your down, laid your dreams down or had a sense of loss with your dreams. And then they come full circle. And really it was better than you ever anticipated, just not in a way you ever thought of yes. I mean, because we weren't even thinking about podcasts. No. Years, you know, no. we never thought, you know, I, I went to college with a de- and have a degree in global studies in Spanish. Like I'm right. not doing anything <laughs> I went to college for. I call the year you're talking about my post-college years of finding myself. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, also, I also refer to it as a turtle summer because I, you know, <laughs> just hung out with friends all the time. Um, but yeah, I, I never anticipated this being something so fulfilling because this was never, this wasn't even really in existence yet. And so... What would you say to someone who feels like they're in the middle of figuring it out and they have no idea what's ahead? Because again, we could have never anticipated this. It it wasn't really any podcasting, you know, it's just the past, I think a past 10 years thing, but very low key for maybe five of those. And so, um, you know, what would you say to someone who's kind of in the middle of that? Of like, I have no idea what's next. I feel like I have no dreams. I don't even know what my dreams are and how to kind of lean into God in those seasons and um, kind of be in tune for what the next step might be. Yeah, you know, I just sat across the table from um, a girl that was in my small group when she was in high school. So this was, you know, many, many, many years ago, I guess like 10 years plus ago. And and we were talking about the same thing. She was asking the same questions because she's just found herself in that 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 place of, you know, what what in the world is next? Um, this can't be it all. And so, um, sorry, I had to swallow there. Um, and so I I just really looked at her and I said, well, I think the first steps are really just starting to ask the questions of, what do you love? What what brings you great joy and what do you enjoy? And, so, and not, and that doesn't always mean that that's going to be your job. Um, you know, that was one of the things that, you know, currently my podcast does not pay me. And so, um, you know, I do have a day job. And, um, and so sometimes I, I love um, Elizabeth Gilbert, the big, big magic. That yes. book. And, and it just really talks about sometimes we try to kill our creativity um, by trying to make it like pay the bills for us. And so I just think sometimes it's, but that's a great place to start because sometimes God is going to, you know, what your purpose is or your passion or whatever word you want to use in that place. Sometimes it's not your paid job. And, but when you find something that gives you such joy and such delight, um, it almost helps fuel what you're having to do that you may not enjoy, but it's paying the bills. And so, but I feel like it's starting there and it's just asking God, you know, what do you want from me? Where, you know, how do you want to use me? And, and starting to just, I, I remember I just journaled all the time. I just, I journaled my, out my prayers and, and I would just ask those questions and I would just you know, what is it? What are you done done with me? Surely you're not done with me. It was like 
coaching myself through that, but asking the questions, okay, what do I really enjoy? You know, coming down to, and just being honest with God. I think sometimes we're afraid to be honest, even though he knows what we're thinking. Everything. We're, <laughs> we're just, we're afraid to say, you know, I was afraid to go, God, I want to use my voice. I want to be of influence. I want to be like, we're scared to say that because we were afraid that it sounds like, oh, you just want to be famous or you just want, you know, and it was going, no, like I have such, this is my heart. Like if I could just, have a conversation with women every single day, I would be in a great place. And and if, if no one ever pays me to do that, that's okay too, because this is just what gives me such great delight and so much fun. So I would start there. I would just really start um, asking those questions. What gives me joy? What do I enjoy? What would I do for free if you know, if I could, if it didn't matter, if money didn't matter and someone just said, you can just do this. Or um, I would just start asking those questions and start giving the Lord your desires. And and the thing about the podcast is funny, you know, you were talking about how this didn't even really exist 10 years ago. You know, I feel like at first, before he told me about the podcast, it's like, I had him in this box because I thought, well, you know, my experience is speaking and my experience is writing. And so, and I knew I didn't love writing a blog. I I like to talk about a lot of things that don't matter. And so <laughs> I was like, can I just talk about like, you know, my favorite fashion trends or my, you know, I just, those are the great thing. And I was like, if I had to talk about faith every day, I don't know what I would do. Like, I just want so much fun stuff mixed in with things that matter. And I think that's why my podcast is how it is. But um, but I had never, it's like I was putting him in this box of going, well, I guess I'm gonna have to start speaking again. Like, should I like put the word out that I'm communicating? Do I need to travel? Do I need like asking, not once did I imagine a podcast. And so, you know, being open to some ways that God may meet those needs that you're saying that I love in a way that's really kind of unconventional to what you've experienced. And, and so I feel like that's just kind of where I found myself. It was years of, asking those questions. What is next? What do I love? Uh, What would I do for free? And then just being very open to what that might look like. And then I would also say practical steps, like have conversations, you know, seek people out who are doing some of those things that you think would be fun or that you enjoy and just build those relationships. And and I feel like, because so much of what my past I can look back has been because of relationships. You know, you you meet this person and they're like, come work for me in California. And I did, or come, you know. <laughs> and so it's these relationships as you like meet people. And um, so I would say, start having conversations. It doesn't mean you're gonna do it, you know, do whatever that is, but it helps fuel that in you, that you are doing something towards that, even if it's the smallest thing as an email or a coffee date with someone. Absolutely. And that, that sparked a few thoughts. So I have a few questions from there, but I love first what you said about Elizabeth Gilbert and Big Magic is one of my favorite books. And I think what you said is so important to highlight because it was like 20 years before she got her big break with Eat, Pray, Love. And so she has this whole mantra of don't make your art a slave to paying your bills, you'll hate it. You're going to burn out. You won't do it with longevity. So if you need to wait tables, wait tables. And she did. She was a waitress for a while as she wrote. And that was so encouraging to me because she is someone we uh, look at as 
she has arrived in the writing world and she was willing to wait tables or, or do whatever it took. Maybe it means working at Starbucks. I worked at Starbucks when I was getting started with my blog because I could, you know, the big promises my advisors told me I could get with a global studies degree uh, right. <laughs> weren't quite panning out. <laughs> so, right. you know, I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I'm just going to get a, a temporary job at Starbucks and actually working there and being off by 11 during that season after college gave me the time to put into, you know, Something photo else. shoots and meetings and creative collaborations. And yeah, I lived off of $8 an hour, but at 24, you know, no better time in your life to do right. that. So, exactly. Well, um, you know, and I think it's funny. I don't, I don't, I don't know if you're like this. You can tell me it, I, I tend to compare myself to people who are much further down the road than me. Oh, yes. You know, so you're graduating college and you're looking at women who are men, whoever, but you're, you know, and you're going, gosh, like they are so accomplished and they've, they've been published or they've started this and they've got this, you know, whatever. And, and I, I remember stopping and going, for heaven's sake, she's 45. Like, yeah, you know, totally. you're 25. That's 20 years that, that she has been working and getting to the point where like now she's exploding and she's 45. Yeah. I'll be honest, even right now. And I joke about this with friends, but it's a very real feeling because I'm 27. Um, I don't have kids yet. And I feel that there is a hump getting past once you have kids or I call it the cool girls mom club, (laughs) which is so funny because you're saying, you know, I felt like I didn't know where my purpose was in those early years of having a kid. And I'm sitting here uh, glorifying that as like the next pedestal of credibility. Mm. And it's so fast. I mean, we all do it. There's always someone five steps ahead of us in whatever field we're in. For sure. And you know, you, you, when you said about, you know, just feeling like losing your purpose, I I can, you know, I can trace back to being 20 years old and I was told to write a purpose statement. It was for some like internship I was doing. (laughs) And you know, it's so, you know, but, but I, I remember I wrote like to encourage, serve and teach women for the glory of God. And I wrote that as a little 20 year old and and I, and I look now and where it is and that's that same purpose. And so, but I can look at these different seasons of life and how the purpose didn't change, but the platform changed. Yes. You know, so like even in that season of having kids and feeling like I had lost a sense of purpose, I hadn't, when I can look back, I, I realized the purpose was the same. God had given me two little women. Yeah. In my, and, and so the purpose was still to encourage and to teach and to serve these women for the glory of God. And so the platform looked very different than it did standing on stage and communicating to, to women of all ages. It looked very different when I was just standing, you know, in a pile of laundry looking at these two crazy women that were looking back at me. But it's the, that purpose was still the same and the purpose is still the same today. It's just interesting how God can just move you through different seasons and your platform changes. Absolutely. And I think that is real. I'm really glad you touched on that because it's so amazing that like, if you look back and and similar for me, if you look back on those really early years where you didn't really have a concrete idea of how that purpose would be carried out, 
to, to see, you know, the seasons you've walked through and how that purpose that was so deep in your heart, it came out through writing a mission statement or whatever for an internship. And you see that coming to life through the different seasons. And it's a lot of confirmation from, you know, from God of like, Oh wow, this is what I've been made to do. And I do see like every season in a different way that got to come to life and it just looked totally different. And, you know, I think it's really hard in those seasons because it's dark um, and it's unknown. So like the woman that's sitting there saying, you know, how do you find what's next? It's hard because it's dark. And when you're looking at anything and you don't know what's next, it's just a hard season. And I think fear can creep in. And, um, and so sometimes it's just taking small steps. You don't have to take giant steps, but just like baby stepping your way forward in the dark until you begin to see, it becomes a little brighter and you get to begin to see what's happening next. Totally. And I I think, I love one thing you said too, a few minutes ago about like, same here, I'm not paid for my podcast either. And I think it's easy for someone to look in um, Mm -hmm. and think, oh, they've arrived, they've made it. But here we are, we're still working day jobs, even if they're flexible or whatever, you know, people look at Radiant and think, wow, Radiant, you know, how did, how did you get to where you are at 27? And I'm like, um, still working. Right. (laughs) And so so I think it's really easy to assume, um, how successful people are. And, and, and I measure success, not necessarily by being able to quit my job, but that would be a one mile marker. (laughs) Right. Uh, Right. A few. I'm very fulfilled by Radiant. You know, I am very willing to do well in my personal business to fund my passion. What would you say to someone who is just dying to quit their day job and to only focus on their dream and encouragement for that in-between process? Because I think we're very much living it. Yeah. Well, I feel like, gosh, being patient is is something Um you know, I, I can easily, once I have an idea, I want it now. Like I oh, want to just yeah. like, you know, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, be patient. I think, um, be wise. So talk to other people, um, get their, their advice on, you know, the, the actuals, if you're going to quit your day job, you know, can you live like, okay, like, you know, like we need to like have some conversations of, you know, I'm not a numbers girl. I'm not a financial person. I just tune out when people start talking to me like that. And I'm sure it drives my husband crazy with, um, when he tries to talk to me about budgeting. Um, and, but it's like, we, you have to have those kind of conversations. Like you can't quit your day job if you don't even know if you can, you know, if you don't have a plan of going, well, at least we've got like, this coming in on my creative outlet. And so I can, you know, I think, I think for me, like my husband and I are going, okay, well, once we, if we can start making this much money in the podcast, then we can dip back on something else. And so Mm -hmm. it's like really just kind of looking at numbers through a wise perspective and being, um, you know, not only wise, but just being logical. Okay. Is this, is this practical? Is this, could this actually happen? So I, I would start there just, recognizing to be patient that it will not happen overnight and, and, and then be wise and, um, and don't compare just like you, you, you mentioned, you know, it's easy to go. I should be here by now. I mean, it's easy for me to look at other podcasts and go, Oh my goodness, we started at the same time. I should be here because this, this podcast is there and, and just going, Oh, it's okay. Just breathe. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, 
there, we don't all have to be the same, you know, and God has it. And just because God is elevating this one doesn't negate the value of what mine is. And so just, you know, remembering those things. Um, so I, and I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm not a great risk taker. I will take it. Like, it's kind of one of those where I'm like, once I make up my mind, I know what I want to do. I, I, I will take a risk and I will jump. And my husband is a great risk taker, um, but he's also very analytical and very like logical. And he thinks through everything. And then he makes like a calculated like risk. And he's like, even if it's a big risk, he's thought about it at least where I'm like, I don't want to think about it. I just, right. you know. um, so I just think that's where you got to be. Like, you got to really think about, um, you know, I, I I was watching some show on Netflix and I had to stop because it was like the the characters were so over the top, like the all the negative stereotypes of millennials, whatever all those things are. That's what this character was. <laughs> um, and it's, I can't remember what it was I was watching, but I had to stop because I was going, oh, I just want to like shake you. Like you are being, so, you know, they're like, I just don't want to like, like, I just want to work as a writer, but I'm not making any money. And so I'm mad, I'm mad that my parents aren't paying for me to fund my, I'm, you know, and she was like 27, you know, it was like going, oh my goodness, you know. Um, but I just think you just have to be like, okay, it might not be that I need, I can be 25 and doing this. It might mean that I need to continue to, to do a day job, like you said, like, and, and not look at that as a bad thing. Cause I think sometimes our day jobs really do lend, um, lend a lot to my creative outlet, <laughs> you know, oh, it lends yeah. a lot of content and a lot of life. And, and that, you know what, that's another life or life lesson is that sometimes you just have to live some life before, um, before something next happens. Cause I, I think that about those years from having Sinclair at 30 to starting the podcast at, you know, 37, um, I, I truly think that the Lord needed me to live more life, um, to have something more to say and to have a, a greater sense of ability to relate to other people in those years. So in those dark years that it seemed like he wasn't working, he truly was in that he was allowing me just to experience life so that I could minister and encourage from a sweeter place. Yeah. And I, I will say that, you know, working enables me to produce better quality work money wise, because it, it, you know, it takes money to yeah. run a podcast. It takes money to host a website. It takes money to do those things. And I am thankful, even though some days I'm so ready to be out of Instagram management or whatever it mm-hmm. is, you know, do I like hitting buttons on Instagram all day? Not really, but I do love the freedom it gives me to fund my dreams. Yes. And so I'm very thankful for that. I'm also thankful for the really hard jobs I had before going full-time on my own. I mean, I, I would love to hear your thoughts on this, but I, um, I know you've worked in the ministry world and maybe, maybe your experience has been only positive, but I've worked for two Christian public figures and um, and no one knows who they are in my service, right. so it's fine. Uh, and it was actually the most painful experiences of my life. It, yes. But it taught me a lot of, okay, like I have a team at Radiant. And if I make my audience the priority over my team, I'm missing it. They're my first ministry. So that was a huge life lesson walking away from two 
Christian public figures who used their team to work 70 hours a week were paid 35, felt really unhappy, very out of balance. All of us quit in one day at one of the jobs, Mm -hmm. every person on the staff. And so, you know, I learned a ton in those extremely, extremely painful seasons that will, that, that wisdom will lend themselves in how I lead and run my ministry um, and my creative endeavors all across the board and how you can still be walking with the Lord and totally missing it because those, those people still love God. They're just missing it in some areas. They're still human. Yeah, they're human. They love the Lord. Their message is incredible, but maybe they were missing part of the message of like loving their, their team being their ministry as well, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I've for sure. And I think, you know, and I think, you know, Christian circles, whether that's a church or public figure, you know, you're just not exempt from the same kind of, um, you know, humanness as any other company. But because I, I, I have, like, there was we, our, our entire student ministry team left a church at the same time, you know, and um, walking through that, and then and, and you do those hard jobs that you have and the jobs that you think, oh, this is the this is the worst. And even if it's for a short period, you know, if you don't last long, they definitely contribute to building up um, just who you are and how you're going to relate to people. And so, you know, when I have had the opportunities to lead teams, I do lead from a place of going, I did not like how that was done. That did not feel good when I was, working for that person. This is, you know, so I want to make sure I lead differently. And, um, and so I definitely think those hard jobs and those hard years and the, just the frustration that can come with just working for humans, it can definitely build you into a better leader and a better person um, for the next season that you find yourself in. Absolutely. I mean, I, I remember walking away you know, early last year feeling just kind of devastated. And my coworker as well, she's one of my great friends and a columnist at Radiant. So I got her out of the job. But... Um, feeling like, is this how it is? Like, I just devastated. But also, you know, taking time to heal, um, you know, taking time to kind of, you know, learn from the experience. And I would now at this point, my life would never take back that job because I put so many tools in my tool belt. And I still look up to that boss as like extremely wise in, you know, the field he teaches in. And so, um, missing it in some areas and that equipped me to say, you know, okay, I'm not going to do that with my team or, you know, we could have an audience of a hundred thousand people on radiant, but if that, if they're my first per focus, I'm missing my team. And that has just been a, a huge lesson for me because I think, I think we miss it so much yeah. and it, it, um, got us put people right in front of us to steward right. versus focusing on the big picture. So like, why not just start with what's right in front of us, the people right in front of us day to day. And that means that might mean why there's no recognition, but if you can't steward your calling with no recognition, you really shouldn't be stewarding it with, you know, Yes. And I think, you know, it's interesting that conversation paired with what we talked about earlier, because I think that some people may find themselves and they're itching to leave their day job and go to their, you know, their passion or their creative, the thing that they love the most. And some of it's because they're just miserable in their day job. And I completely get that. I completely get what it's like to, you know, be working somewhere where you're going, gosh, I don't even know if I respect 
these people. And I don't even know if I like, I don't like this and I don't feeling all those things. And I can remember, you know, my husband and I having a conversation once he's like, okay, well by the, by this date, you're just going to be done. And I was, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> um, and then it was like, okay, well I should probably pray about that because just because <laughs> I want to be done doesn't mean I'm supposed to be done. Totally. And, and so I think that comes back to just having to go, okay, God, like this is my desire this is what I would like to do. This is why I, w- I don't want to do this anymore. However, you have provided this job and it is, pro- is paying bills and it is allowing me to do things creatively that I enjoy. So how long do you want me here? So I'm just going to like kind of, because I feel like, again, if I have an idea, I'm like, okay, I'm done. Let's do this. Like, I just want to move on and like, I've got, want to move forward and, and it's just having to go, okay, God, let me first give it back to you and ask you is how long do you want me in this? Because I do, I think I have a track record of going, if something is not right or something is uncomfortable or if I just don't like this and I'm just out, I'm just out. And so really that's, that's something that I just feel like I've learned is that patience of just in turning to the Lord and going, okay, but what do you want? You know, what do you want me to do? <laughs> Even if it's not my timeline, what do you want me to do? I think that is really encouraging for so many of our listeners because how, I mean, I juggled, you know, my creative endeavors and um, working at a nine to five until June of last year. And then now I still have to um, do parts of my personal business that I'd love to phase out of. You know, mm-hmm. personally, I'd love to phase into strictly creative and small business coaching and have only my e-course be the Instagram component. But that's not my reality. Pushing a bunch of buttons on client accounts right now is my reality. And I, if I want Radiant to be at the level of excellence that it is, I need to stay in that until God really, truly opens the doors for coaching to be full-time. And so I I understand that tension, even not working at a nine-to-five now, because We always, even in our own endeavors, we want to pivot. And sometimes you can't do everything you want right this second. And I'm very much in it. And I think it goes back to like, you you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but God is developing who you are. And so I think back and I think, you know, if I was in this leadership position when I was 26 or 27, I'm almost thankful I wasn't because I, I I can look back and go, gosh, I would have led this way. And, but since I've had 10 years of experience and, and some of those years were not great, you know, bosses or not great environments or just me changing as a human, like I'm a better leader that God allowed me to lead at this point than he did at that point. And so it's it's just kind of having that perspective of going, okay, there is time and there is a reason why God is allowing the years of silence or the years of darkness. He is working. He has not forgotten you and he is doing something on your behalf. And sometimes that is just means he's allowing life to be lived and to develop your heart and your character so that when the time is right, it's going to be, you're going to be at a much better place to lead or to create. Girl, preach. That is, that <laughs> is good. Um, one thing you mentioned is relationships and building relationships. And, and it really was to your benefit, the relationships you built over the years. Um, and I know networking is super important in any industry, really. Um, and so I would love for your thoughts on networking in general. 
I have recently gotten to a place where I've realized um, some people who wanted to pick my brain didn't actually want to know me. And so mm-hmm. how, how, what's your um, wisdom there for our listeners of how to network but make relational connection the primary focus, not getting someone's knowledge? Because yeah. I, I really prioritize personal connection, getting to know someone. And if we can both offer each other something great, but that's not the primary goal. And I, I've realized that that's not everyone's primary goal and it can be really yeah. painful. And we do it in ministry, not just cutthroat business world. We do it in right. ministry. And so what do you have to say there? Because it, it's very real. Yeah. You know, I, I think, and I don't know if it's just my personality but um, I laugh because I'll even talk to other podcast hosts and I'm like, uh, oh yeah, like I, they're, they're my friend now. And they're like, what? How did that guest become your friend? I'm like, I don't know. I just go into it. Like, you're going to be my friend. Like, I am going to make you my friend. Right. Like, I want more from you than just, I know your name. And, um, and so I do think, you know, I have to work hard. I have to push myself because there is that level of, I don't know, insecurity, the fear of rejection. Like, what if they don't like me? And I faced it. Like, I I can remember going to a writer's conference and a well-known podcaster person, personality person, and we had mutual friends. And so I thought, oh, this is going to be great. Like, we're going to be friends because we have these mutual whatevers. And she was just not interested in being my friend. Like, (laughs) bottom line, just not... I'm like, people like me. Why don't you like me? Um, but, But it was going, okay, like... So I get it. Like it, there's a there's a fear of like rejection that you put yourself out there to network to meet people and they may not want to know you back. Right. <laughs> and, um, but at that same writers conference, like I met so many who people have become dear friends and um, and that are bloggers or you know podcasters or just speakers or authors and 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 it took just like taking that step of going okay I understand that I might get rejected. I understand that this might feel awkward, me initiating a conversation, um, and but I'm going to do it. And so it's just having that resolve of I'm going to take a step forward. As much as I would like someone to initiate the conversation with me, I'm going to initiate the conversation. So um, I think some of it is just taking that step, knowing the risks of rejection and knowing the awkwardness and all of that. It's just taking that step and and. And then if someone is just, you know, wanting the information, like they're not, there's nothing, you know, reciprocated, then going, all right, you know, I I get it. But I think sometimes it's just, we have to take that step. And, um, you know, and and I've had people who are great at that. There's, I've met people who have reached out to me that have become friends who said like, hey, I live in Atlanta. I would love to just, you know, buy you coffee. And I'm like, well, if anybody's going to buy me coffee, then we will be friends because that is my love language. Um, And so, you know, but they're so great at it. They just reach out and they just make the effort and, um, and they continue to make the effort. And so I just think that's what it comes down to is just, you just have to take a step. And you have to put put yourself out there. I mean, you reached out to me and now we're best friends, see? So yes, it's, it all so works. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think it, you know, so it helps having the mindset of what you want from it. And then, you know, when you don't, when it's not reciprocated, when you realize, oh, that person just wanted, um, you know, I don't know, just my information that I can give, um, you know, that's unfortunate. Um, but I think you can't control them, but you can control you. So the way that you approach networking, you can approach it from the way of like, 
I want to truly know that person. I want to build a relationship and I want to be able to push them forward as much as I'm hoping that they're going to do something for me. Um, Because, you know, networking is that. We're hoping that because, you know, I know them, they can help connect me here, they can do this, but but it's, it needs, it's reciprocal. I need to be able to do the same. And so I need to be able to um, push them as much forward as I'm hoping that someone's going to do that for me. And so I think you just work with what you can control. Um, and then I think if you are someone who's just wanting information, I think you honor that in someone. You say, hey, I would love to pay, buy you lunch, or I would love to pay for, you know, for your time to sit down for two hours for me to ask you, all these questions. I once heard Jess Lively, um, she has a podcast, say, say that, that you know, she would go to someone who was kind of a well-known somebody to ask questions. And she said, I would always offer to either buy lunch or I would send them like a, you know, a gift card to like, you know, a restaurant or something. Cause it's, it's more of like, I'm understanding we're not going to probably have a relationship after this, but I want to honor the fact that you gave me your time. Yeah. And so I think if you know, you just want, like this person is probably too far out of reach to really have a relationship or um, I would just honor them with their, to for giving them your time because you're going, I'm probably not going to have a relationship, but I really just need to understand X, Y, and Z, this information for the next step. Yeah. So. I think honor is huge. And I, I think that there are definitely people that I have wanted to learn from, but I think making them feel honored and actually known, like even if we perceive them as a big shot, um, they might not be looking at themselves through the same lens we are. So they might consider themselves like just an everyday person. And I, you hear all the time, it's lonely at the top. And I think that's because people start perceiving you as have arrived somewhere. They want to know how you got there, but they, they might assume you don't have time for them. And so they don't actually try to know you when maybe maybe that person just wants to be known. And so I think implementing a level of honor and integrity and getting to truly know someone for who they are, not based on their accomplishments is really important as well. You know, I went to, when I was 20, I guess I was 22, I wanted to be doing what Beth Moore was doing. And so I just emailed her and I just, I was like, I don't know, I'm just going to send her an email. And um, I emailed and her assistant called and she said, you know, Beth never does this, but she would like for you to come to Houston and meet with her for two hours. And I was like, and I was like, okay, like, you know, and I bought a plane ticket and I found arrangements there. And, um, but it was, I just thought like, that was me being a 22 year old, just going, Beth Moore is a big deal. She was a big deal then as she was a big deal now, but it was just taking a shot. It was taking a step forward and going, I am just going to ask because you never know you you like you said like some people may who are a big deal to us they may not think that they're a big deal or whatever but it sometimes it just takes you asking like just because they are this big deal doesn't negate that you can't ask they may say no and that's okay yeah but they may say yes and you get an opportunity to have a conversation with someone who is doing something that you want to do that's further down the road and get to ask them how did you get there what should I be doing what advice do you have and so it just it never hurts to ask Girl, I'm with you. I I think that's amazing that you were able to go fly to Houston and be with that more. <laughs> I know. And she we like had tea with like her like fancy China and you know, and sat there and she just like was two inches from my face. She's as much as she is on stage is how she is in person. That and, is awesome. And you just asked. Yeah. That's right. really cool. 
Right. And you must have asked in a way that was very honoring because again, I'm sure she gets hundreds of emails a day with stuff like that. And so there had to be something in the way you asked that stuck out to her. So I think it all comes down to honor. Well, I would love before, like I would love before you go for you to kind of chat about your tour this summer, your podcast, Surviving Sarah. What are you doing? Yeah, well, this summer is going to be fun. Um, I'm, I love doing in-person interviews. And so um, in Atlanta, somehow it's it's like the hub. So I probably do about 60% of my show in person at oh. my home. Yes, isn't that amazing? And um, in the summer, I'm going to get I'm gonna, um, get to travel for the first time. And so I'm taking my equipment with me and going um, to Seattle. And so, A, I'm just, I've never been there. So I'm super excited about what? that. Um, and so going to interview a few people there so that we get to have in-person conversations. And, um, and so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I'm, like I said, I'm, this week is episode 78. So I'm getting close to that 100 episode. And so, um, I'm just, I'm just excited about what is coming down the pipe and just dreams that we're, we're kind of working on and dreaming about what, what could be next for surviving Sarah. Um, so, so yeah, so that's fun coming up and, um, love y'all to check out surviving Sarah. It's every Tuesday it comes out. How fun. That is so cool that you're getting to travel. And I wish I got to do more interviews in person. I know they are the best. They are just so fun. There's just something great about, you know, sitting across the table from someone and um, looking them straight in the eyes. And so, so yeah, so I need need to come to Colorado. We need to do like Colorado too. You're always welcome. We'll do like a Radiant plus Surviving Sarah tour and we'll just like go chat with all these people. Hey, you're starting to to speak my language. We might need to chat after this. I know we might, we might be coming up with some business plans. Some ideas. Um, Yes. Where can everyone find you? Okay, they can find me. Um, the website is survivingsarah.com. And obviously the show is the same name, Surviving Sarah with Sarah Bragg. And Twitter and Instagram is at Sarah W. Bragg. And um, Facebook is Surviving Sarah Podcast. Wow, I'm excited to keep up with you. I know our listeners are gonna just love your podcast because it's fabulous. And so thank you. Thanks for joining me today, Sarah. Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other.